Hannah Hidalgo is the future and present of women's basketball. I don't say that lightly, and I'm going to explain why and have her tell you why as well. Locked on Women's Basketball starts now. Ogumbawale for the win. You are Locked on Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Well, hi there and happy Thursday. Welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'll give you a secret. We're recording this on Wednesday, but it is Thursday for purposes of the podcast. And I am delighted to be here joining you as we do six days a week. Thank you for showing up for us. Over 175,000 of you listening in last month alone, on track to beat that here in February, showing up, subscribing, listening every way you can. Of course, it is not just me. It is the entire team over at The Next, where we have over 100 reported pieces every month. TheNextHoops.com. Subscribe for $9 a month, $72 a year. And I'll tell you what you're going to get in your inbox, including all the WNBA breaking news, everything college, everything recruiting, everything international. You're going to keep getting a lot of Hannah Hidalgo stories because we keep sending them out because... Hannah keeps doing things that we just haven't seen before. So we've got a lot to talk about. As those of you who have listened for a long time know, this is personal for me. Hannah is a Jersey product. She grew up about five minutes from where I grew up, Merchantville, New Jersey. I grew up in Cherry Hill, which is where the show comes from now. Hannah, it's a delight to see you succeeding in the way we all knew you would. I guess I want to start by asking you, through your origin story, as you're growing up here, as you're playing ball, when did you know you had a chance to not just be somebody who enjoyed basketball, but who could play it at a special level? Yeah. So growing up, I was always in the gym with my dad and, you know, my parents ended up putting me in a rec league with a whole bunch of boys. And so I was always playing against boys since I was younger. And um, at first I, I didn't like basketball. I had no interest in it. Um, just going up and down. But as I started, you know, I, I was constantly in the gym, just working out over time. And then I, I really grew love for the game. And so when I was younger and then they gave me a nickname buckets when I was in the rec league. And so then that's when I feel like it really sparked that. I, you know, I really love the game. So how old are you in that spot? When you get the nickname buckets, how old are you? Oh, sorry, how many been like five, maybe, maybe right before kindergarten. Oh my God. So you said you didn't like it at first, but like pretty early on, of course, <laughs> And, and, you know, having you, your father, Orlando, a fantastic coach, leading the charge for it, you you kind of realize there by the time you're in grade school that this is a pathway for you? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's amazing. And so you're growing up here. You are setting records. Again, you know, for listeners at home, I, I know it sounds like it's overstating it when we're going to talk about some of these things. So I need you to understand the comparison. You got to high school. You were a three-time South Jersey player of the year down here. That just doesn't happen. Yeah. Three-time. When you are going up against some of the best players in the country every night, you know, Jersey Hoops is special. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like iron sharpens iron? Do you feel like playing here helped make you the player that you have become here already? Yeah, absolutely. I think 
Jersey, New York, Philly area. Like we had this different type of grit, like a different type of dog. And I think just playing against that competition all my life has definitely prepared me for where I am at today. I've read stories. We've heard stories. Everyone I talk to, my younger daughter plays basketball and her coach, uh, when I said, oh, we were going to talk, she said, well, you can just tell her she's the best player I've ever coached against. You know, and that's what you keep on hearing, that people come, they see you play, and they say, well, I've seen something that I've never seen before. Was there a superlative, a compliment you heard from somebody early on where that really took you back, either a person that you particularly respected or just, wow, I didn't think of myself in that way before? Yeah, I think just – like in in high school is when I really started hearing like, I uh, I hope I, I won't miss you. Like right before I was yeah. about to leave, like coaches would tell me like, you know, it was it was tough playing against you all these four years, and you know I'm I'm glad you're leaving, like stuff like that. And I was like, like wow, like kind of the impact that I had, you know, playing against these teams. Paul the sixth has had a lot of great players. So the fact that you were the all time leading scorer there is a very big deal. Again, New Jersey Gatorade Player of the Year. You go to the McDonald's All-America game, and suddenly you have a chance to do it on a national stage as an individual player. We'll talk about what it meant for the national teams that you have starred on. But take me through what that experience was like. I know you ended up winning co-MVP honors with Juju Watkins. You know, what did you learn about your game going to play there? Yeah, I think especially with McDonald's, it was just all the top girls in the country just kind of competing against each other. And, you know, playing with these top girls and against them was just – it means a lot to be able to go out, especially with, you know, my size. People don't expect uh, kids my size to be able to, you know, do what, you know, do what they do. So for me to be able to put up, set the record for the highest points and tie the record for the most steals, it just, I feel like it speaks on like uh, how versatile I am and how I don't just play one side of the, one side of the game. I play both sides. And I think that's really vain. I, I will, as a point of personal privilege, say you are putting that mildly. You are, tops in the entire country as a freshman in steal percentage. As a freshman, uh, it kind of blows my mind the way in which you get to that. We're going to talk a lot more about that in segment mm -hmm. two and about the kind of season that you were putting up here. But I do wonder what the origin of that is. What is it that allows you to anticipate to get into passing lanes, to get so many of your steals are live ball steals, which are you know effectively pitch sixes, given your speed and the way you finish at the rim. You were buckets at age five. When did that start being part of your game? I feel like my defense was always kind of what I took pride in. Obviously, when I was younger, I was like a lot, a lot smaller. So I didn't really do too much scoring because the girls were so much bigger than me. So I really took pride in my defense and, you know, getting stops and getting steals and then, you know, pushing the ball out to my teammates. So I feel like I've always taken pride in my defense. And when I was younger, someone once told me that defense wins championships. So I kind of always, always stuck with that. I mean – Clearly, it's won you a lot of games. And so you won U-17 gold with Team USA. You won U-19 gold with Team USA as well. Again, you are a critical part of both of these teams. What kind of an adjustment period is there to go play with the national team? And does it help you when you transition here to Notre Dame that you did it? Wow, yeah. So... USA, it's definitely different, and it's, it was definitely an adjustment, especially U17 it being my first time playing for the USA team and, you know, me having to play a role that I wasn't really used to playing, which was just, like, being more vocal and, you know, kind of running the team and, you know, 
getting everyone else open and not, not looking for my shot first. And I know in high school, they, they need me to score. So I'm taking like all the shots. And then when I get the USA, I'm surrounded by a whole bunch of top players. So it's like, I don't need to do all the scoring and I need to get everyone else involved. So it's definitely a, a lot different. And I know European basketball is also like a lot different. They're, they're flashy. And like, sure. it, it was, it was just, it was different from, you know, what's over here. So I feel like playing for the USA, I feel like it helped me get faster. I know when I came back, I was, I felt like I was in great shape and, you know, the game is just different. You kind of see the game through, you know, a different lens and, you know, different point of view. So it definitely helped me for when I came back here. I would be remiss not to point out in your defense, you didn't take all the shots when you were in high school, you also averaged better than five assists per game. So we just, for the record, have always been elite at finding your teammates as well. So we're just going to get that out there and make sure everybody knows that you do it all. Before we get to our break and head into segment two, where we're going to get nerdy and look at these numbers because they are remarkable. I just want you to take me through your recruiting process. Obviously, there were so many teams interested in coming and talking to you and having you on the team. Notre Dame, what was it? What was it about Coach Ivy that sold you on coming out to South Bend? Yeah, so I'm really, I'm a really big family person. So I love being around my family and I really felt like I needed a home away from, you know, my home in Jersey. And when I came on my visit, I really felt that. And I felt that everyone was genuine. And I know Coach Ivy, she was consistent throughout the whole process. And she kind of, she treated me the same. And even still, even to this day, she treats me like, you know, I'm still being recruited and she just shows me so much love. And so it's just, it's just been genuine. And that was really big for me. When you made that decision to go, you know, obviously you have this close knit family. What was that like? What was that like leaving home? And again, same question as before. Was it easier to relocate having done so much travel? The fact that you were playing overseas on a number of occasions prior to this for Team USA. Yeah, I would say it's definitely tough leaving home. I mean, I it was the first time, obviously, like completely moving out, but not the first time leaving home. Obviously, I played with U17 and U19, so I was out for, you know, a month at a time. So it wasn't anything that, you know, was just – crazy that I never experienced before and I think USA definitely helped me get kind of like a taste of that being away from my family so far and I feel like going through adversity during USA and not having my parents you know right there behind me it was like it was help helping me prepare for college because now my parents aren't here with me and if I go through adversity then I have to lean on obviously God of course but also my teammates and my coaches and you know the people that are around me so it was it was hard leaving home a little bit but you know I was also excited for something new well Friends, I can tell you it's worked out pretty well so far. So we're going to get into the numbers as to why that is right after our break. But first, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors today, and that is Nissan. The 2024 Nissan Road in particular. Amazing for city drives, great escapes, but you can also use class-exclusive Google built-in to always updating your assistant to call on for almost anything. You don't have to worry about connecting your phone, CarPlay, trying to figure out how to make it work. It's all built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system. The 2024 Road is the future. It is here. It is the perfect mid-size crossover for your next adventure. You need something a little bigger, you can go with the Pathfinder. It has room up to eight and expansive cargo capacity and advanced 4x4 capability. 284 horsepower, though, so you don't sacrifice performance for it. You can even get the Nissan Armada, which is going to change what you expect from a full-size SUV. 
picture a rugged four by four that can seat up to eight in first class luxury, or you don't have to picture it. Go to your local Nissan dealership, take the road, the Pathfinder or the Armada for a test drive and go find your next big adventure. Take a look at NissanUSA.com. And we're back with Hannah Hidalgo in segment two, talking about the fact that, gee, it's your first game. You are a freshman. You're overseas to boot. You're playing it in Paris and you're playing it against Don Staley in South Carolina. What's going through your mind in that locker room ahead of that initial game out there? How do you get yourself ready? Yeah, so I I know it was just it's consisted of a lot of a lot of prayer. I was just praying the whole time, just on the way to the gym, just asking God for peace, and you know, just stepping out of the locker room and onto the court. You know, I just felt so at ease. I wasn't nervous at all, and I was really just excited to play my first collegiate game. And obviously, I went out and things didn't go how we wanted it as a team, but I I did a, a decent job. You know, of course, we wanted the victory, but you know, I feel like coming out into the game, I wasn't nervous at all. I was really just excited to play with my teammates. For those who didn't see it, first of all, I don't know what you are doing with your lives. You should have 31 points, three assists, three steals, four rebounds, just immediately a difference maker at both ends in a remarkable way. It's the type of thing that puts a spotlight on you immediately. You obviously thrive with the spotlight on you. Is it something you like? Is it something you enjoy or is it something that you more understand? Hey, this goes with the territory. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's a good and a bad thing. I mean, it could be a curse and a blessing because obviously there's a lot of eyes on you, so they're always watching. So if you do bad, somebody's always gonna be ready to say something and you know critique you. And then if you're doing good, you know everybody loves you. So it, it really just depends on you know how you handle. It. And I try not to get too deep into it because you know it's it's always gonna be something. And you know I really just want to focus on my game and not get too caught up in you know what the fans saying, who loves me and who doesn't. Definitely. Don't worry about your mentions. Never, never worry about your mentions for sure. But what you have done is in a lot of ways chart a course that is different than we've even seen from recent stardom. And so for benefit of our listeners, I just want people to understand, Hannah, what you have done, that you were looking at NIL deals before you got to college. This was your stardom was sufficient that New Jersey essentially had to make a ruling on how you could do these things in that space before you got to college. And you just compare it. I'm struck, and maybe this is a small thing in the grand scheme of things, right? But I am struck by the fact that just a few years ago, you couldn't get WNBA basketball cards. It was exceedingly difficult to get them. Now there are cards at the collegiate level. There are a range of Hannah Hidalgo's. I was watching a stream a couple of weeks ago and someone was like, oh yeah, I'm all in on Hannah Hidalgo cards, which is just something that people couldn't have done a few years ago. Caitlin Clark was a great freshman, but there were no Caitlin Clark cards back then. Well, that wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. What do you think of this overall landscape and how much, how much of a challenge is it to try to navigate that along with what is, you know, Notre Dame is a challenging school academically and to play basketball there at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's great to see how everything has grown and how players can now make money off of, you know, their name and their image. So I think it's it's great how we can take advantage of, you know, 
of everything, obviously, with all the work that we're putting in that all the money that, you know, us athletes are bringing in and we should be able to make money, you know, kind of off our own name. And cool. so I think it, it, it's it's really big. And I, I love to see how the game has, you know, evolved and is still evolving. So it's definitely big. And then, um, you know, playing, you know, focusing on school and, you know, NIL, it's, it's especially for me, it's, it's really important to, you know, have an agent and, you know, my parents kind of handle kind of that whole side. And as for me, just just, you know, keeping, you know, who I am as a person, you know, not altering and being somebody that I'm not and just, you know, on the court, just playing my game and, you know, being who I am on and off the court. And obviously those deals will come. The people who are interested will, you know, you know, come in and then my agents and my parents will kind of handle all that and then just focus on basketball, who I am as a person and then, you know, the academics. You seem so well grounded, and I'm sure that things seem to just you take them as they come. But I do wonder, have you had a moment, a wow moment along the way? Maybe it was when you were signing. There are you can go on eBay and see it, you guys. Hannah Hidalgo autos that are selling for a large sums of money. Right. I mean, you know, is there a moment that you've had like that where it's like sort of a welcome to start a moment over this period? Yeah, I think it was. I think it's it still is like oh like a while when everyone they'll come up to me fans will come up and then they have like books of like all my cards and then you know they're asking me to sign or asking me to sign basketballs and stuff like that or or taking pictures I still like I feel like can't believe it even still like to this day even though they come up like after every game and I feel like that's still a wow moment. It, it is a very cool thing to see, to your point. It is so long overdue to have talented players being able to make money off of their own efforts for a very long time. It's great to see it finally happening. I have to get a little deeper and a little nerdier into the numbers. I mentioned 31 against South Carolina. A 30 spot is something that is just par for the course for you now. You've had four 30-plus point performances. You followed up that game with 12 steals at NJIT. Just is there a stat line you've put up where you sit there and say, wow, that's amazing. I'm looking at my post-game box score, and that one is a lot even for me. Yeah. I think the, the 12 steals was definitely, like, the, the biggest one because I'm like, wow, like, 12 steals is double-digit steals. I think that's that's – Super, that, that's super tough because I haven't been able to get close to that, you know, since. So I think that that was the stat line. I was like, wow. Or maybe uh, quadruple double watch. I think that one was like the next biggest one for me because I'm like this close, but just not there. But it's going to happen, right? I mean, in your mind, it's a matter of when, not if. Believe me in God. So, yeah. I, I, I am very eager to see those numbers. And then again, we have to point this out. You are doing this in the Atlantic Coast Conference. And this is not to take away from some of the other uh, excellent basketball being played around the country, but there are five teams in the top 30 net ranking as we are talking today right now. Obviously, ACC up and down that conference is remarkably difficult. And I guess the only good news about the five teams in the top 30 in net rankings is you don't have to face one of them. Since you guys are number eight, you are actually tops in net ranking in the entire ACC. But just as you've gone against the challenge of the ACC, I'm curious, for instance, who's the toughest player you've had to face defensively? Mm, that's that's tough. I feel like there's not one person that's like, well, I feel like every team that we played against, I think each team competed and, you know, I think they played well together as a team. I don't think it was one person that was like, 
like coming out here and dominating and putting like 50, 40 points on us. But I think every team that we play against, it's always a, a competition and we never take any team lightly because at the end of the day, it's anybody's ball game. So we come out and, you know, we kind of stick to the game plan and just play each team. A lot more to come. I want to talk about the future, which is so bright in segment three. Really excited to get back to it with Hannah Hidalgo. But first, excited to talk to you guys about our other sponsor today, and that is Prize Picks. Prize Picks has this new offer where you can turn $10 into $1,000. Here's how. You're looking for these things. They're called demons and goblins. They're either red demons or green goblins in different squares. If you select them and you get it right, you can win up to 100 times your money with as little as four correct picks. Again, Prize Picks Daily Fantasy, it's the easiest. It's the biggest way to play Daily Fantasy. You're not going up against sharks. It's just you versus the projections between two and six player stats. And again, you don't have to just play by yourself. You can be in the same league as rapper Meek Mill, comedian Andrew Schultz. Just go to the community plays tag and check it out. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA now and use code locked on NBA for a first deposit patch of up to $100. Again, that is prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA code locked on NBA. Pick more, pick less. It is that easy. Prize picks. Back here with Hannah Hidalgo. And as we head into segment three, that question that comes up is, who is like you? There are always these comps that come in. So I've seen Skylar Diggins-Smith as a comp, which is obviously a great compliment. But Skylar scored well her freshman year. She did not score like you did. She was not having the defensive impact. I covered her as a freshman, so I know that you had there in year one. We have frankly not seen a freshman pile up the steals like you are piling up literally in this century. It is not an exaggeration dating back to 1998-99, which I remember, but a lot of people do not. I know yourself included. And so as you think through your game, I just the two parts are what was your comp, your aim, your goal growing up? And where do you think it is now compared to who is out there? Yeah, I think my goal growing up, I think it's just, I think my goal was just, just to have fun. You know, I, I wasn't, I didn't have any expectations of, you know, what to do. And obviously when I first started playing basketball, me and my parents kind of made a list of, of like what, what they wanted me to accomplish and, you know, kind of what I wanted to accomplish. Obviously I didn't take basketball seriously. And I was just like, okay, mom and dad, just, you know, whatever you say, I'll just do it for you guys. So we kind of had, you know, just obviously go to college and have a, a full ride, score a thousand points, you know, player of the year, like stuff like that. And I feel like just, just, just small goals that I checked off, you know, one by one. And obviously now my goals are just, just to grow. I feel like as a person, like on the court and off the court, just to grow as a leader and as, as a young woman. And, and obviously of course to win, obviously I want to win and just, you know, provide for my family and just be a light to those who, uh, who are struggling and stuff like that. And to be some, a person that kids can look up to. You've talked about this, this opportunity to score, uh, a thousand points. 
I'm going to go out on a limb. This is like a fearless projection, a prediction, a hot take, if you will. You're at 521 here in February of your freshman year. I feel pretty confident you're going to get to 1,000 in your career. So I'm I'm going out there. I'm saying it right now. I'm putting myself on the line there. But you talk championship as well. And when we think about Notre Dame, obviously there is this rich history of winning championships. Mm-hmm. Do you use visualization? And if so, when you do, what does it look like to you when you think about that championship? Um, I just, I, I don't, I, I feel like I don't think, I don't think that far. I try not to look too far because I know it, it could be a lot and especially a lot of pressure being me being a freshman and having to take on such a big role. I feel like, I think my coaches do a great job of just, you know, just constantly reminding me to take it, you know, game by game and, you know, take it day by day, practice by practice. And, you know, what, what God has for us, it'll, it'll come if it, if it's there for us. So if a national championship is there in the future, then, you know, it'll come, but just, just, just being present now and just, uh, just, you know, growing as of, as of right now and not focusing so much on the future. Obviously that's what we want to do, but just being in the moment right now. Well, there have been a lot of moments already, many more to come. Uh, I am just saying to you ahead of time, I look forward to seeing you at the 2027 WNBA draft, but we'll be seeing each other a lot of times before that as Hannah, Hannah Hidalgo continues to star for Notre Dame. Thank you for your time to our listeners. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. We will, of course, be back with you tomorrow as we are six days a week. Until then, I am Howard Magdal wishing all of you a wonderful Thursday. Welcome to Wallet. You are Locked On Women's Basketball, your daily podcast on women's basketball. 